My name is Claudia Pergola, a caregiver advocate and author of two books. I am confronted daily with families in need. They all seek the one thing that seniors can provide them. They're looking to maintain their legacy. I'm Debbie Walpoff, and as founder and CEO of Merck's Payments, I believe that success is not defined by wealth. Success is defined by the people that you're inspired by your actions. My name is Clelia Pergola, and I am here to focus on your legacy. Maggie Goldberg, I was introduced to her by Debbie. Let me introduce you all to her. She is president and CEO of the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. She leads the only national paralysis-focused organization centered around a dual mission, today's care, tomorrow's cure. Talk about legacy again. You mentioned your mentor, but you also mentioned learning from your daughter. What an incredible gift to learn from the generation coming up. So what what would be your advice to people out there when, you know, they normally don't don't observe as we started this conversation. We're so busy. We just go through our lives. So we're running to get our kids here and there and we're not even sitting and having and communicating. You're not only communicating, but she's giving you a reason and other 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 suggestions on how to lead and how to be in society. Well, I'll start sort of in the home with with the the simple, you know, easy mom type of thing because I'm very busy and my my brain is always running. And my kids have recently made comments about my brain always running, but it's actually a trick. So um, I would sometimes like put their clean laundry in their room and wait for them to put it away. And of course that never happens. So I would go in their room and I would start to put it away for them. And my friends would say, you know, Maggie, you're not, shouldn't do that, whatever. But I would, it was my way of being in the room with them and talking to them and, and sort of forcing conversation and like looking like I was busy, but not while well, I was busy. So that's one way to kind of draw kids out away from their, you know, phones and computers. And so that, that's my little tip and trick. Um, you know, you may disagree because you're doing something, a chore that they should be doing, but that's, that's that. <laughs> um, the other thing I would say is, you know, a couple things. One, friendships have always been extremely important to me. So I have two childhood friends and, the, and, and a couple of adult friends that, but the two ch- childhood friends and one adult that we speak at least once every week by phone, text doesn't cut it. And that's like my therapy. I need to t- check in with them. And I just feel complete after I've talked to them. And it's like, you know, nourishment for my soul. I also think that over the years, I've had a lot of um, internal challenges about being the working mom. And, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, you put your work before me and blah, 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 or, you know, feeling guilty about long hours and missing things. But at the end of the day, I feel really good about what I'm doing. You know, I've, oh, it's, it's mission-based and I can get up every day feeling confident about an impact and I'm trying to make on the world. So I think that's, um, that's been helpful. I would say for those, you know, who maybe don't have a job in nonprofit, find that impact, you know, is there, can you find fulfillment volunteering somewhere or getting involved in your church or synagogue or your local food bank, just something. So you feel, you know, more connected to your community and um, maybe a little bit more of sense of purpose. 
Absolutely. Clelia and I both work, but it enables us to have exposure and really make a difference in the civic organizations and nonprofits that we're involved in. And I use it as a vehicle to, 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 you know, fund my life, but also fund what we do when we um, engage. And really, I mean, there's nothing more fulfilling than like right now, um, uh, it's a holiday season. So we always adopt a family. So I rally up the troops and we adopt a family again. And it's just, it fills your soul. And you're setting an example for your, for your family members as well. I mean, you have to, I think that we have to instill the importance of philanthropy um it's just you know it's a natural you know, you know my kids just do it because that's what they've grown up with you know that's my daughter's number one club at school right now she's raising money you know both of my like so I think that's important to set the example and but not only just setting example, it's not just something you do why are you doing it why do you choose the cause that you're involved in why is it important to you and that's what I was going to ask Maggie as as a mom a, a young mom you know we were talking earlier about different stages of life. And, you know, when they're small, they don't really have their own life. And then as they grow, they have their own thoughts and then their own hobbies and then their own social life. So being as successful as you are and having all of these stories, journeys, experiences, um, how did you, how did, how did you do that? as a mom and were you mindful of what you were doing while you were doing it? Or is it sort of um, hindsight's 2020 looking back and realizing, okay, you know, I did do the right thing because you saw the effects of it. I think hindsight is 2020, but you know, you always think you could do something better. So at the time I was, my motto was like, let's just do the best we can do. Right. I mean, you know, where you could fix something that's broken. So, you know, I had a kindergartner, for example, and she was in aftercare and, you know, obviously this is way pre pandemic. And I was working in the office four days a week, one day at home. And every day I would you know, rush to get her. And I would, you know, be like one of the last people to pick her up at aftercare. And I'd come home and we'd rush to make dinner. We'd rush to get homework done and rushed to get the bath. I'm like, this is no way to live. Like, this is just not working. And I, oh, and by the way, I had to stop at daycare and pick up her younger sister first and deal with that too. So I, I finally said, how can I make this better? And, you know, I, I was making a nonprofit salary. I, I wasn't, you know, I never had a full-time nanny. Um, that's not, you know, the decision that we made for our lifestyle. So I had, I was like, I need a babysitter or part-time nanny. So that's what we did. And we found someone who picked them up, helped with homework, helped with, arts and crafts projects, which was like a godsend because I'm so not crafty. She was the most amazing artistic (laughs) babysitter. I mean, when she left us, I thought I was going to cry for a year, (laughs) Um, but, and she cooked. So it was like the perfect person. And she was in our life for quite some time. And that was an example of, you know, just fixing something in the moment. Your household becomes your circus. I know that merry-go-round and every day you dread almost starting over again and you feel like you're a jack of all trades but you do nothing well that's right that's right and I'll tell you you know you have to give yourself some 
some you know leeway and and when things happen you just got to accept them and i'm lucky that i'm in a profession we've always been a very family friendly environment so I, I actually just had an employee this week who was having a very tough time and i i told her this story i said um and she was debating she was not physically well and was debating whether or not to go on a business trip and i said i had a situation where my youngest daughter was maybe like seven months old and she had her first real sickness and she was up all night with a fever I was up all night with her and I was supposed to get on a plane to Los Angeles the next morning. And I call my boss and I just like from lack of sleep started crying. I'm like, I don't know what to do. She's sick. I can't get on this plane. And he said, just do what you need to do. Like, don't worry about it. Just take her to the doctor. If you want, get on a later plane. If you can't make it, you can't make it. And it was just this relief of like, thank you for understanding that I was so grateful in the moment. And I got her the doctor. We got her on antibiotics. I got her home. I got her settled. And I got on a plane that night. And I remember thinking, I want to lead like that. Like I need to treat my staff with the same respect and understanding and empathy. And so that's what I try to do. And that's, you know, leadership, I know from when we spoke is so important to you and being a role model, obviously for your children, but also for people that you work, that work for you. Uh, Do you, um, do you feel that, like why why do you do that is it be it is it because of what you get back or is it are you uh targeting a certain goal or is it just who you are I think it's just who I am I just want to lead by transparency you know I want to lead by example I think I've been in a lot of situations where you learn what not to do more than what to do and so I you know I've always in the back of my head thought I don't want to be that type of person um but I also just think, you know, you you want to model behavior, you know, good behavior like you would with your kids almost. And and I think it's I, I think it goes back to that story of my first job out of college, you know, being so grateful to learn from that person. Um, I hope that I can do the same for others on my staff. Um, having said that, I have high expectations. You know, I I we are every single day, I tell myself and this is a 24-7 injury or diagnosis. So, you know, when I go home at night, I get to live my life, but the community that we're serving is still living with paralysis. And that's a heavy weight to bear. You know, I, I get texts from parents at, you know, 11 o'clock at night, or we get, you know, we hear about new injuries, Debbie gets them on the weekend. So it's, it's tough. It's a tough balance. I, I have to say though, I'm reading this book, When Women Lead, and they talk about, you know, access to VC funding, but what makes organizations powerful or what creates or organizations or business, it starts from, and what is most successful? Empathy, empathy. And that's what sets women and men apart. We are more empathetic, but because of that, there are studies. We are more profitable. We are more effective. We, uh, you know, have really transformed leadership and companies because of that. So, you know, I have that book on my nightstand right now, actually, it's my next book to start. So I can't wait to read it. It's very interesting. And I'm just intrigued. I mean, there are so, so many amazing women that start businesses and foundations just from that place they had, you know, whether they had an accident when they were 16 or they lived in poverty or they wanted, they just wanted to make a difference. And, I think, and I know from my group and my network, 
We're the same like-minded business professionals, but we lead with our heart and no one is going to stop us because of that. But I think, you you know, I agree. And I also, you know, it's a balance between leading too much with your heart and too much passion and reminding people like, okay, we're nonprofit and this is, you know, an empathetic business, but we're a business. <laughs> we have goals. And I, I tell my board all the time, I did not take this job to be stagnant. You know, we, I am on, I, this, this foundation has to grow. This foundation needs to fund research because the community we serve deserves it. And the research is there. It just needs the funding to find the cures and treatments. So, um, you know, that's, I have to find a way to balance that with like, let's, let's move this, you know, it's time to move the needle and we've got to do it quickly. Absolutely. And with that, I'm just wondering, you started your career in politics. I know you're fulfilling your mission here, but when Alan walks, the community walks there, would you ever consider going back into politics? I can't imagine running for office. I mean, I just... I could see you in office. I think we need more leaders like you. That's the only reason why selfishly I'm saying. I mean, I could, I, I, you know, it's funny that you say that at one point when I was very, very young, I I thought I wanted to be a Congresswoman. I really, that was appealing to me, but I can't imagine going through all the local and I I don't know, maybe. Would you, Maggie, (laughs) would you suggest women, you know, we we're always advocating for women, women like us. And, but I don't see a lot of women in politics. And if they are, they're kind of lower on the totem pole. And I, I think it's just because of how we're, we're built. We are more empathetic. It's hard for us to, you know, put on sort of a face and deliver these strange communications to the public. Um, would you encourage women to get more involved in politics knowing what you know? I would encourage it because women need to be involved in politics so our issues are heard and legislation is enacted. I mean, we need women's voices. So absolutely 100%. The flip side is the way politics exists is not um, favorable to women. I greatly admire Mikey Sherrill, my congresswoman, and I'm, you know, follow her on on social media with four children. I don't know how she does it. She's either in Washington or she's in every town in Morris County campaigning. And, and, you know, I, I can't imagine doing that. So you have to have an incredibly supportive partner um, who's going to help you with, with just about everything in order to be able to do that. And and it should be that way. You know, it should be, it should be, you know, it should be not even a second thought that a man can do it as much, but I yeah, we're, we're we're still working on that. I'm I'm still working on that in my own household. Yeah, so. mine, I have not. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I, not it's not that type of involved. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you educate our listeners on because uh, you've had this experience in communications and in politics, and I think that why people women especially don't get involved is because we're not educated in it. And I think that's because it's a different language. Um, the communication, I think we're very, we're very direct humans. We like to talk about our feelings and that's not necessarily politics. And um, 
because of the change in landscape as far as like social media and the 140 characters, um, sometimes you have to be more dramatic to so people listen. And so could you educate the listeners on when they see politicians speaking or something written in the media, um, how should they take that in? So, you know, it's interesting the way you just described um, female communication. I would call that advocacy where politicians like are more straight laced. You can't be emotional. You know, the perception is you can't be emotional in politics, but you kind of have to be. So to answer your question, I would say, do your research, but be vocal. You know, all of our politicians want to hear from their constituents. So write letters to the editor, call your local offices or your Washington DC representative offices. They, they still to this day count how many calls and emails they get from their constituents in order to place their votes. It's extremely important that we are engaged in issues that are important to us and they hear from us. So, you know, read it, study their opinions and express yours. Um, you know, and, and if you have a local um, council, for example, go to the meetings. You know, we, we have, I live in a very small town of Morris Plains, but we have issues about, you know, we just had a storage unit that wanted to move here and it was the talk of the town and people, you know, it's affecting the mayoral election. So um, get involved. Vote, vote too. Vote. My daughter vote. voted today. We're voting early this afternoon. Vote, vote, vote. Hopefully it counts. You know, our word needs to be heard. Our opinions need to be listened to. And that's, I mean, why, why our country was formed. Yeah, I think we just have to look at back at, you know, people in the 60s and 70s and, and what they did and, and made a difference. And we have to continue to, um, you know, march on Washington or or make our views help. I mean, we can't just sit back and, and watch things happen. We have to be a part of the action. And by doing that is by contacting our representatives. I've learned so much throughout this conversation about you, your legacy, um, even as a mom and part of the community. Can you tell me what you want your legacy to be if you heard your children or friends, family speak about you? What you, What would you want them to say? I think I want them to say, most of all, I was a good person. You know, that's that's what's most important to me. You know, I was just because a, a, I think I hope that they would say that. <laughs> um, and that I really from a young age, I feel like we are placed. I've always felt that we are placed on this earth with a purpose. I never wanted to just go to work or earn a living. And that was all I had to look, you know, even having children that. I want to be able to look back at the end of my life and say, what impact did I have on this world? And so I'm doing that through the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. I hope that I'm doing that through my two children and preparing them for careers and a way to give back. Um, so I hope that my legacy is through my children, obviously, but that I have made an impact um, as a friend. Um, and my real hope is that we're going to fix spinal cord injury and I will have done something to contribute to either the cures and the treatments or to improving our quality of life. And we can do that through advocacy and, and making our world a little more accessible for those living with paralysis. Well, 
I know that you had an effect on us today too. And our listeners, I am so grateful that you took the time. I know it's a busy season. You have the gala next week. You have board meeting. We really appreciate listening to you and listening to how you've led, listening to your story and listening to uh, fulfilling that mission. And I'm behind you 100%. Well, I'm just honored that you invited me. Thank you so much. I love talking to the two of you. I'm really, thank you so much. This is so much fun. Maggie, thank you. Thank you.